Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Spencer Locker. (laughs) We can't keep doing that, can we, on on every podcast? (laughs) So, like a double act. So, um, yeah, me and Spencer are just going to, we wanted to just sit down and record another Hubcast um, following the, it's January 2019, and following the uh, recent launch of the new series of SAS Who Dares Wins. For those listening who, who who have been through our courses or who have done work with us, you may know that Spencer is part of the show. Yeah. As one of the members of the Resistance to Interrogation team. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. And um, for those of you who don't know, well, now you know. And uh, so we get the luxury of picking Spencer's brains every time he films the show and, you know, finding out what it's really like and how it all works, etc. He shares some things with us. He, he doesn't <laughs> share others. Um, but the, what we wanted to re, uh, sort of discuss on this podcast is that the first episode of the new series, Spencer. Yeah, series four. Yeah. Which is out in... Chile. Chile. Yeah. In the Andes. Yeah. The, in the cold mountains. Mm. Uh, it was a fas- fascinating insight, a fascinating show. Mm. Um, but one of the things I picked up and that seemed to stir a lot of reaction on social media was around um the because there's men and women and allowed on the show for the first yes. time this yeah, year that's correct. Yeah, yeah. and um i think you could safely say there was equality demonstrated yes. in yeah. terms of everybody treat the same but yeah. the 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 style of instructing if you like from the from the instruction instructors and the team particularly Aunt middleton yeah was very autocratic very directive sometimes mm. aggressive yeah sometimes harsh mm. um both spencer and i have served in the military um, so I think we get it. Yeah. But there was a lot of stare on social media around, I think some people thought it was a bit excessive and, and uncalled for, but I think a lot of other people actually sort of enjoyed it and, and were saying things like, these guys should be running the country. Yeah. And if more people were running businesses like these guys, we'd yeah. have success. Mm. If more people were in education like these. And, and I sort of, I sort of read these comments and I was listening to it and I wanted to sort of debate it with you, Spencer, because I have a view on it. Yes, certainly. And yeah. I guess, therefore, for this podcast, for the managers and leaders listening in organisations, let's debate um, the autocratic directive style of management. Does it work? Is it situational? Is there a place for it? And is it unfair for us to compare an environment like the military and the show mm. Because it's unlike any other environment, yeah. Um, to the way we should be speaking to people and dealing with people and building resilience in people in the workplace. Yeah. So, what's your first thoughts on that? Um, well, uh, I agree with what you're saying. I think uh, it's it's definitely situational. Mm. It's uh, the people uh, when when we start thinking about the show, then yes, they're all volunteers, and they all know or have got a pretty good idea that that's the way things are going to be for the duration of their time on the show. Um, I think you've, you prepare yourself for it. Hmm. Uh, I think even in the, the mil, as you know, the military changes, uh, it doesn't change. There are no sort of massive, huge changes uh, in the, in the flick of a switch or the blink of an eye, but it does change and evolve over time. 
So when I first joined the military, uh, there were very there, it was a lot more autocratic. Um, you had corporals screaming and shouting at you. Um, and generally speaking, the reason why they screamed and shouted at you is because people screamed and shouted at them when they were in my, our position. Yeah. But from my from those early days back in the mid eighties to now, um, or, or to the to let's say the late um, late two thousands going into the two thousand teens, it's changed a lot since then because again, there people have been sort of saying. I, I think the crux of it is, it works. You get what you want out of people, but you don't get the best out of them. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it makes sense, and. I guess then part of it is that in the military and in an environment like that on a TV show, mm. especially, it's a prefabricated um, environment. It's mm. it's not the real persona of those instructors. They no. are they are playing a role. They are playing a part. Which, when you, as, as you rightly pointed out, when you put yourself into that environment, you're signing up for that. You almost have an understanding that these people are being aggressive, they are shouting, mm. they are pushing you to your limits, but mm. they're doing it to serve a purpose. Yeah. It's not personal. Mm. Whereas I think if you try to apply that style of management in the workplace, yeah. you don't have that that understanding that it's 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 there to serve a purpose because it's more it's a real situation in real time. Mm. So if someone started screaming in your face at ten to nine in the morning to and, and getting you to drop down and give them ten press mm. ups and all the rest, you'd probably you know come yeah <laughs> you'd yeah, probably yeah. completely you know disengage from them and, or react. Yes, yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, and again. We've got to, we we work with this all the time. When we start talking about the limbic system, we start talking about the chimp, and it's directly related to our adrenaline, our fight or flight. Mm. So when so when you when you perceive a threat, when you perceive something in a certain way, you are going to react. You're going to get that chimp reaction, aren't you? Yeah. Um, you're not necessarily going to feel comfortable in it. Yeah, and I guess I don't, and I guess that's a really sort of important starting point for anybody listening to this podcast is that. Um, just because you see it work in the military and on TV shows, it doesn't, it absolutely doesn't mean it's going to work in the workplace. In fact, it's not going to work in the workplace. We see it time and time again. It, it's sort of a completely different uh, environment in the, in the fact that um, in in the workplace, you have to, as a leader or as a manager, you have to first of all understand the people who you are working with or who work for you. You've then got to go on the offensive and build a level of rapport with that person and get in their world. And then you learn the right in the right times to be directive or autocratic. Hmm. There is a place for it. Yeah. Like when we teach situational leadership, Spencer, hmm. we, you know, one of the six main management styles hmm. is directive. Yeah. And it serves a purpose. There is a time and a place where we want to be directive. Yeah. But the point being is in the workplace, you cannot deploy um, the the autocratic directive style of management from the start with every employee and expect mm. it to, 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 to work. I, I, I agree in the majority there. Yeah. I do agree in the majority. I think that uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, but I do think that the difference between um, the military world uh, where it does work or has worked, and the uh, civilian work world isn't as binary as that. 
I think there's certain places where you can employ an autocratic. Very few and far between, I will admit. Yeah. I will admit, and, and I think it's situational. But there are places where you can employ this um, autocratic leadership style and you will achieve what you want, but you will not necessarily get the best out of the people that you're, you're, you're talking with. Does that make sense? Makes sense. And, and, and I always have a saying, which I think you raise a really good point, but I always have a saying which says it, it depends how you deploy the directive style mm. as well. So what I mean by that is you can be directive by style mm. or you can be directive by nature. Yeah. And I always say that when the time is right in a, in a situation or a scenario or a performance-related uh, situation where you have to then be directive yeah. or, or it, it is going to be beneficial to be directive, mm. be directive by style, not nature. Mm. And what we mean by that is leave the emotion out of it. Mm. When when you start being directive by nature and you are your body language, mm. your your the, 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 your verbal communication is of an aggressive, emotionally led mm. nature. Yeah, that's when it starts to be taken personally. Yeah. Whereas there's something really, um, I think there's something really endearing um, and reassuring about a leader who can be directive by style, mm. calmly. Yeah authoritative was it authoritatively yeah yeah that's yeah. nailed it <laughs> authoritatively um but without the without losing the plot does that yeah. make sense yeah, and, I, and I, so, I think yeah. that links into what you were saying yeah there there is a time and a place for it but it's also how you then very much deliver so, yeah. it isn't it because you find with the people who when you sort of deliver it where you're doing it by style let, let's say for instance the military the modern military, the the military in twenty eighteen now, it's different to the uh, the forties and the fifties and when we had national service and then you got the sixties and the seventies when we had uh, localized conflict and then the eighties where we went to the Falklands and the nineties where we had the whole Middle East thing and all that. It's all evolved. So now you get into these places now where you're getting leaders like, for instance, Aunt Middleton, where they can be authoritative. I got it. <laughs> they can be authoritative, um, but the thing is, they've created that rapport with their team already. Mm. So when that authoritative attitude comes out, it's that switch on. I know this is important. Yeah. Bang. Yes, absolutely right. And we were talking this morning um, in a sports sense, wasn't we, about yes. this? Yeah. Now, for any listeners who um, are into football... Um, you'll probably resonate with this very quickly. For If you're not into football, we apologise, but you'll probably still get the gist. Yeah. We were talking about the difference between two managers in sport at the minute, Jose Mourinho, who's just left Man United, yeah. and uh, Jurgen Klopp, who's mm -hmm. the manager of Liverpool. And we were talking about the different styles and that one manager in Jose Mourinho has never evolved or changed. He is who he is and he will be how he will be. Yeah. He's quite directive at times. He's mm -hmm. quite straight talking. Um, but he seems to, as the modern day game is evolving, he seems to be alienating players and his team. He doesn't go out his way to build rapport. Mm. Um, he'll focus on him being the leader and the tactics and what he wants to implement and people will follow. Mm. Um, whereas Jurgen Klopp takes a different type of route. He, he sets out to be a great man manager. He builds rapport with the players first. Yeah, he gets yeah. them in the tents. Yeah which then sort of earns him the right to deploy his theories, his tactics, his messages, et cetera, yeah. and they're likely going to go with it. Yeah. So 
you know, you don't have to understand football to get that analogy. Mm. In businesses, are you the manager who is setting your stall out? You're the leader. It's going to be your way, and you're going to dictate and direct the way things are going to be mm. before you've made any effort to understand your people getting their world and build rapport. Yeah. Or are you the manager who understands the importance of getting people in the tent first, mm. building rapport, getting in their world, and then it earns you the right to to deliver your messages or your non-negotiables or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. And we see it time and again, don't we, Spencer? We do. People who take the latter approach, rapport mm. first and the right, yeah. have far more engaged, mobilized, motivated teams than the mm. than the autocratic directive uh, managers who don't take time to, or understand the importance of the personal relationship. Yeah, and, and and at the end of the day, if you do want the best out of your people, if you want them to be able to not only give you what you want, but give you more, give you the best, suggest alternatives, um, think outside the box, all this, that and the other, they're not going to be able to do that if you're autocratic. Hmm. Um, as we said, yeah, there's times and places for aut autocracy, did I just make we're, that we're up? testing ourselves hey, with language yeah, today, yeah. aren't we? Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll just go with it. Autocraticness. <laughs> There's times and places, but the thing is, uh, we know that. Yeah, okay, then this needs to be achieved. I'm going to scream and shout and jump up and down. You will achieve it. Job done. And that's great if there's no variables. However, if you want the team to feel like a team, if you want the individual to feel like they've contributed, if you want the, the you know what, we could do it this way and you get what you want, but if we did it this way, you get what you want and more. Yeah. And when you and you, you stamp that out when you're autocratic, uh, that creativity, that thinking outside the box. So you're not, so that, that is that employee really going to feel sort of valued? Yeah. If you're not if you're not getting the best yeah. out of them, they've got so much to give. And that's what we always say, you can be directive even by nature, mm. right? But at what cost? Yeah. So, I think let's just recap what we've said so far. Um don't judge TV shows like SAS who Des <laughs> wins or the military type style of leadership um to uh to the workplace. It's a different environment. It's 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 a we know that some of the uh, instructors and hierarchy within the military are playing a role. Mm -hmm. It serves a purpose uh, in a military environment. The workplace is it's massively different, mm -hmm. and therefore we can't assume that. Oh, we, it absolutely wouldn't work to deploy the same type of um, st strategy in the workplace. Um, there are two types of directive being directive. Mm -hmm. uh, you can be directive by style. Be calm, be assertive, um, give direction and and provide assurance to the people around you. Or you can be directed by nature. You let your emotion come into it. Mm. Uh, you will you will uh, your verbal and nonverbal language will uh, appear aggressive. Will appear um, what's the word? Fractious. It will mm. appear. Or it will just come across as a personal attack. Yeah, I think inappropriate. When, inappropriate and personal. And yeah. that's when, if you're being directed by nature, it starts to be counterproductive for you as a manager. Mm -hmm. um, so we've also, we've talked about, thirdly, the importance of it's okay to be directive by style mm. once you've established rapport with your people. So don't skip the people management side of things, uh, yeah, the people management side of things. Don't skip the rapport building, the opportunity to get to know your individuals on a deep level, yeah. to understand what makes them tick, to uh, establish trust. And then you will earn the right 
in the right time to be directive. Certainly. By style, not nature. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we know. The thing is, we know people who have become managers or leaders uh, for other reasons other than being really good at being, being a natural leader or a natural manager. Yeah, usually you know because I mean? they were good at the job <clears throat> they were doing. They're the best yeah. person on the floor, so now you're elevated but to when, leadership. But when you get these people who aren't particularly good at man management, aren't particularly good at leadership, and they're in a position of power, um, and they do bring that natural, personal, emotional thing to the, to the floor, um, usually they are not seen as um that well, not necessarily trust not trusted but they're not respected i suppose do you, does that make yeah. sense yeah and the thing is when you do that man management when you do that humanistic side when you do know your people you do build trust with trust you build integrity mm. and when you build integrity you find that people not don't just do the bare minimum but they go over and above absolutely absolutely <clears throat> so i think the final question for me for this hubcast is um Let's talk about generations. Mm. So you're of an agen- of a generation. I am. <laughs> I am. I'm of a generation. Yeah. And a different generation to me. Yeah, absolutely. Only, I up. think only one generation, but we're, we are slightly uh, in different generations. Um, um, we have now a new generation coming through, which is Generation Z, um, and then there'll be a generation behind them. Millennials are often beaten up with a stick these days, or the term millennials, which actually most people don't understand what a millennial is. Is it 96 to 2000? What, millennials? Yeah. Millennials are are technically people born after 1980. Oh, right, okay. So so they either reach the working age or the school-leaving age by the turn of the millennial. Yeah. That's why they're called millennials, right? Yeah. People think of millennials as Generation Z, the young young generation. But... um, Millennials are anybody who is up to 35, 36 years old. They're yeah. already in workplaces. They mm. are already in positions of leadership and authority. They are already. So, yes, there are, um, you know, millennials are talked about as the future of the workplace, but millennials are already in the workplace, right? Yeah. So, Generation Z coming behind them as well are a completely different generation. I mean, they've grown up completely in the digital world. Yes, yeah. So, they get a bit of stick. Mm. You know, we're talking, a lot of people are talking around the youth of today. You know, it's, they don't make them like they used to. And you can't say anything to anybody anymore. And, put, you know, mm. PC has gone through the roof and employment law is protecting individuals and not businesses and organizations and managers. Yeah. And there is a lot of talk around that. Um, so I guess the question is, is does it, do people have to be more cautious than ever over using a directive style with younger generations? Or, again, does it just apply to what we've been talking about? As long as you earn the trust first and you deliver it by style, not nature, then it's absolutely still situationally relevant. Yeah. Um, I think through my experience, and I'm sure yours, because at certain stages in our lives, even though they were at different times, they were, they were sort of situationally similar. Yeah. <clears throat> when I first went to my, when I left training and went to my first unit in 1985, uh, one of the people I've, lo- I met this fella. This fella was a great guy, great guy, um, bloke called Ron Dennis. Um, I have no idea where he is or what he does now, but this guy was, um, he, he was, uh, he wasn't, he was an old guy, but he wasn't a non-commissioned officer. He wasn't an NCO. So obviously he pushed the wrong buttons at some stage during yeah. his career. Yeah. 
Um, but he was taking the mickey out of an NCO who was talking to me. And basically he said, ah, oh, there we go. There goes the street. There goes the neighborhood. They don't make them like they used to, blah, 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 blah. The kids are today, youth are today. They don't appreciate it. This was back in 1985. Yeah. So we're talking uh, not a great, in the timeline of the human species, not a great amount of time. However, you've also got to bear in mind that it wasn't a million years ago that we're burning witches and shoving kids up chimneys. Yeah? Yeah. It wasn't a million years ago that pubs closed at two o'clock in the afternoon and we only had three channels on telly. Yeah. Just because it's new doesn't mean say it's wrong. Absolutely. Just because it's different, yeah. uh, just because just because it's not the same as the old way, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the wrong way. So to your point there, this they don't make them like they're used to, and it's not how it used to be. It's been around for centuries. You know, mm. every generation will say that about the previous generation. Yeah. To some extent. Yeah. And um and yeah, I think my message to people is absolutely in line with with you. Open your mind, right? Mm. Because um, what we sometimes uh, are quick to judge uh, on the future generation is around, uh, oh, they sit on computers all day long. They don't get out and play in the street like we used to. Mm. They're not as active. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't know discipline. They don't know a day's hard day, gra day's hard day graft if it hit them in the face. And yet the world is changing. Mm. You know, in if you think about it, in 20 years from now, mm. there may not be a hard day's graft available. Yeah. We we might be so reliant on AI and robotics and machinery and the digital world that yeah. the, the 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 landscape is changing for the future generation. Yeah. So actually spending all that time on on computers and, and working out technology and being really, really sufficient on it is mm. going to put them in good stead, right? Yeah. So I think we've got to adapt a little bit with our management <clears> style <throat> with with both the younger end of the millennial mm. generation and the generation Z coming through. Yeah. And it's our responsibility to to get in their world a little bit as much yeah. as, as as you know as pave the way for them. Um, but coming back to my question, I therefore believe for anybody watching this, if you've got younger people within the team, I still think the same applies. There is a time and a place to be directive mm. when we want to drive pace, increase performance, create a bit of urgency. Um, we can do that by style, not nature, mm. as long as you have earned the trust and built the rapport first. Yeah. And whether that's a 16-year-old or a 56-year-old, mm. it, it should be irrelevant, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's my – I don't know if you would add anything to that. I think that's my standpoint on it. I, I would agree. Uh, I, I liked the point that you made earlier on about people coming into the workplace now that have been never been in a world without, uh, without digital technology, without the internet, if you like. Yeah. Uh, but you've all. But following on from that, you've now got people entering the education system. This year, today, there are people ent entering the education system that, when they leave the education system, they're going to be doing a job that hasn't been invented yet, mm. because we're moving on at such a pace from technology, and all this stuff is changing. All, all technology is changing, processes changing, priorities changing, industries changing, business is changing, sales are changing. Everything is changing, and it's changing quicker than you can blink. But we aren't. Yes. We yeah. aren't. We are still people who need reassurance, need respect, need education, need guidance and advice. Oh, so, so just because all this, these things are changing really quickly, get back to basics. Yeah. And the fundamental <clears throat> basics of human performance mm. is connections and relationships yeah. and trust and rapport. And, and how long has that been the case? Oh, for millions of years, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so and this is what we we teach in performance psychology and where where we 
um, try and educate managers on, you know, the art of being a great leader, the art of being a great manager mm. is to have knowledge in your sphere of expertise mm. to understand the systems, the processes, the protocols, yeah. uh, and the standards that you need to drive in your sphere of expertise. The, the art of being a great leader is to understand human connections yeah. and how you uh, mobilize and motivate a group of peop- uh, individuals to become mm. a team yeah. and to go above and beyond both for you and the and the cause. Yeah. And, and therefore, you cannot do that by leading with a directive style of management. You, you do that by deploying some of the other styles of management, but basically understanding the importance of getting to know your team, earning trust, building rapport. You know, managers get it wrong because sometimes they think, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the elder person. Yeah. I'm the most experienced person. I'm the manager. Mm. You've got to earn my trust. Mm. Does that make sense? The, they, yeah. they go, each team member has to earn my trust mm. before I deem you good enough to be in my circle, yeah. right? That is where most managers fall down. Yeah. The great managers go, I need to earn your trust. Yeah. Because if I earn your trust, then if I'm going to try and develop you mm. or if I'm going to try and ask you to go above and beyond or if I want you to do something, it will be a given. Mm. Yeah. And that's where great relationships in, in teams and great development opportunities come from when the manager looks at it as, as their responsibility to earn the trust of the team, not vice versa. Mm. And I think that's what we're saying. And that's yeah. not changed in 2 million years. No, no. Probably more. Yeah. Cool. So, um, all right. Enjoyed that, Spence. I think yeah. we'll finish the Hubcast there. I guess yeah. for anyone listening to this, is there, the question was, is there still a place for the directive style of management in organizations? Mm. Yes. The answer is yes. Is it like any other environment, such as the military? No. Um, is there a diff- two ways to be directive? Yes, by style mm. or by nature. Yeah. Try to avoid being directive by nature. Use the style more. Be calm. Be considered. Be clear. Have clarity, um, and and build confidence in people around you. But before you do that, earn the trust of the individual by Mm. building rapport, getting in their world, getting to know them. Because then when you are directive, they'll take it, it won't be personal, and they'll go above and beyond for you. And and, and if you've got younger people in the team coming through, millennials, the younger end of the millennials, or Generation Z, it shouldn't make any difference. Yes, Mm. we've got to understand their world and the world they're growing up in, but it doesn't mean we can't be directive with them. You know, what do they call them? Snowflakes yeah, these days? Yeah. Is that the term people are getting? Snowflakes? <clears throat> yeah. There's nobody creating that than the older generation. You know, the, what we've got to do is park that for one side and say, no, 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 I can have the confidence to be directive with a younger person, but I've got to look at myself as to how I'm doing it. Yeah. It's not snowflakes. It's that maybe I'm getting it wrong. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's just that I'm doing it with the older generations as well, but they're just a little bit more... Uh, they're used to being in an environment like that and can yeah. and can and can shrug it off a little bit more, mm. but yeah, it's not changing. Be directive after you've earned trust and rapport, and mm. do it in the right by style, not nature. Yeah, cool. Right, we'll leave it there. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, Martin. We'll look forward to the next one, and yeah, we'll see you all soon. Cool.